thanks to our sponsors, The Genesis Group, First Eyes, and Abbey Media, who host my website, which is thecountrywriter.com, where you can send me a message or buy one of my books, including my latest, which makes a great stocking stuffer, called Puns for Grown People. This week, Staying in Tune. Saturday mornings used to be for kids. Weekdays as a kid on Beach Street in Ashdown, Arkansas, started with the two captains, Captain Kangaroo and Captain Crunch. Saturdays were for all of the other shows made for children. You felt ownership of the TV on a Saturday. Cartoons were on all three channels. You didn't have to worry about your parents coming in and switching the dial to some educational show that actually made you learn something. Yes, Saturdays belonged to the youth of America, and we loved it. Hanna-Barbera produced many of the animated shows on which we grew up. Johnny Quest was a favorite. Tim Matheson, the actor who later went on to star in the TV series The Virginian and the movie Animal House, did the voice of Johnny. Had my mom known that the kid who starred in Johnny Quest would be the same kid who would later expose me to college fraternity life in Animal House, she might not have let me watch Johnny or Moe, Larry, and Curly. Matheson was just a few of several famous people who voiced Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Others included Gary Owens, Casey Kasem, Scatman Crothers, and my absolute favorite, Mel Blanc. Mel was known as the man of a thousand voices. When he worked at Warner Brothers, where all of the Looney Tunes were produced, he created the voices of Bugs Bunny, Yosemite Sam, Daffy Duck, Sylvester the Cat, Tweety Bird, Foghorn Leghorn, and hundreds of others. That was another Saturday morning staple, Looney Tunes. Packaged under various names during the 60s, Looney Tunes was shown in an hour format, one right after the other. Even though Looney Tunes had a lot more violence than the Three Stooges, my mom let me watch Bugs Bunny blow Daffy Duck's beak over to the back of his head, but Curly getting poked in the eyes by Moe was bad. Not that I'm still bitter. Other Saturday morning favorites included Quick Draw McGraw, Top Cat, Yogi Bear, Space Ghost, and of course, the Flintstones and the Jetsons. Unknown to me as a kid, Johnny Quest, the Flintstones, and the Jetsons all began in primetime in the early 60s. The Flintstones even held the title of longest-running animated series in primetime until it was surpassed by The Simpsons in the 90s. Quest, Flintstones, and Jetsons reappeared later in the decade on Saturday mornings, along with a new show that was not only my favorite, but the favorite of millions of American kids, Scooby-Doo. Now, I have to admit that, looking back, the premise of four teenagers and a talking dog chasing down ghosts in a panel van called the Mystery Machine does seem a little out there, but as a kid it seemed like genius. And I guess it was. Scooby-Doo was so popular, it even had guest stars, like real Hollywood actors, who appeared on the show, including Don Knotts, Sonny and Cher, and Mama Cass. Try being a teen today driving around with your buddies in a hippie panel van. You'll likely wind up being pulled over by a couple of cops with a drug-sniffing dog. I loved Scooby-Doo. The gang always arrived just as Old Man Wilson, or insert some other creepy name of another elderly guy here, 
was posing as a ghost at the old amusement park so he could scare everyone off, buy the place cheap, tear it down, and build a condominium. Freddie, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby were always there to catch and unmask him just in time. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it hadn't been for those meddling kids, he would always say. Ah, yes, strike up a win for the young people on a Saturday morning when we already felt empowered by owning all three TV networks. Of course, corporate America took full advantage of having a captive kid audience. We were sold everything from G.I. Joe to Barbie to Easy Bake Ovens, which took three weeks to make a cake, my sister had one, to slip and slides, water wiggles, and hula hoops. And the urban legends of some kid somewhere who had gone too fast on the slip and slide and went into the street and was run over by a gravel truck, or the kid who hula hooped too hard and got his hip stuck and he never walked again, all that just made us want that stuff even more. But the commercials we saw most were for breakfast cereals, and boy did we bug our moms to buy them for us. My sister always wanted Lucky Charms to eat while we watched cartoons, and I had my Cap'n Crunch. Even though cereals took all shapes and sizes, they had one thing in common. They were loaded with sugar. The marketers even found a way to mix cartoons with the cereals. If kids liked scary Scooby-Doo, why not develop Count Chocula and Boo Berry? And who could forget Fred Flintstone chasing Barney Rubble for taking his fruity or cocoa pebbles? Today, my wife won't let me eat Captain Crunch. Fiber has taken the place of fun. As cable television found its way into more homes, channels that showed cartoons all day became common. And for me, that simply turned my childhood favorites into daily babysitters. And it took away that Saturday morning magic of feeling as if you and every other kid in America were in full control. Well, you, Scooby, Shaggy, and Don Knotts. I'm John Moore. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you have a great rest of the week. God bless.